Hello everyone, everyone, welcome to another episode of No Effort Human, No Effort Human, the podcast where we talk about living life in flow, living life with the, where the universe has your back, living life feeling like you're supported, and you can do exactly what you want to do, what is in flow with you, you can live life on the way you like it and build your life. Because you are a magnificent being. Now, I know there's a lot out there that talks about this, you know, and a lot of it feels like crap to me. Like, when a, a lot of it, <laughs> I'm sure it helps. I'm sure most of the work out there helps a lot of people on this topic. Here's the thing I have encountered so much resistance inside myself to all kinds of things, all right? All kinds of areas of manifesting, all kinds of areas of intending. And the one thing that keeps feeling good, that keeps feeling really good, is the idea of surrender. And surrendering, somehow surrendering to the power I already have, somehow surrendering to the intelligence I already have, the flow I already have, the love I already have, the joy I already have at letting that stuff come through. For me, you know, that is an act of surrender. And the groups I lead, clients that I have, you know, those are the, that's what I teach. That's what helps them because surrender is one really fast way to get in touch with your your power. And you're going to encounter the things that are stopping you from getting in touch with your power. Look, it's an ongoing process. You got to find what works for you. And this, uh, this podcast is about finding the path of least effort. <laughs> and that's what surrender it feels like to me. Okay. So that's why we're having this discussion. That's why we're doing that. And we're going to explore all kinds of facets and aspects of surrender. You know, you might want to go read yourself The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer if you want to get inspired about surrender and what's possible with surrender and uh, see the amazing things he built with surrender. You know, but there are lots of people out there, okay, that are building things with surrender, all right? There's a spiritual teacher named Muji that I love, okay? And through his, his surrender to his own spiritual path, he he ended up creating a whole, you know, ashram, a whole environment where people live. It's like a mini village, you know, where he has um, people that are learning from him and hosting events and running the compound, uh, you know, running the vil- the little village, you know, all, they all live there and just created this out of surrender, you know, not out of some sitting and intending, right? Not out of some vision board. <laughs> so there's, there's a, another approach you know, to finding our path in life than um, a lot of what's out there and that that surrender. So let's discuss that a little bit. Now I found, okay, finally, after years of wanting to do this, I started to study the Tao Te Ching. Now, of course, that's spelled Tao Te Ching, but apparently it's pronounced Tao Te Ching. And the this book is like an epic poem about surrender. That's how I see it. It's incredible. It's like a, it's like verse after verse of amazing insights about how the universe works, about what the big energy cloud that we're all in is really about. So what I decided to do on this podcast was, at, at least part of the time, go through every verse of the Tao, teaching, and just describe what I'm hearing in that verse. I'm going to read it to you and then you're going to tell me, I'm going to share with, with what I think about it. And I would love to hear your comments on what you think about it because it's a, it's 
infused with wisdom. And of course, the the author is uh, the authorship is attributed to a, a man named Lao Tzu who lived in ancient China, and he was an archivist for one of the kings at the time. He had access to all these amazing ancient documents that he just studied his whole life. And the rumor goes that he was traveling one day and he came across a general who recognized him. And um, the general asked him, you know, for tea and was getting advice and 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 said, hey, before you go, you have to write down your wisdom, you know, so I can use it and share it with people. And he and Lao Tzu wrote down these 81 verses. And there it's it's so it's so complicated to in a way to read it because there are so many different translations. First of all, it was written in ancient Chinese and some of the characters are not even use in use anymore. And then, so you have to figure out what the ancient Chinese meant and kind of, you know, update it for a modern context and then put it in English. And it's just, there are so many different translations. So I'm using one particular translation from a book by um, Wayne Dyer, where he studied the Tao for a year, the Tao Te Ching. And, and he kind of looked at the different translations and picked the verses that appeal to him the most. So unless I find a, ver- a different verse that appeals to me more in one of the different translations I'm reading, I'm going to use that one. Okay. That book is called uh, change your thoughts, change your life by Dr. Wayne Dyer. And you can find, uh, you know, his, it's a great book. It's a great book. And he has like breakdowns of what the verses mean to him. So this is our inspiration for this exercise. And we're going to look at the first verse today. So I don't want to get uh, delay anymore. Let's just read you the first verse and we'll talk about the interpretation and just see how it feels to you as I read it. See what resonates with you. See what comes up for you. Because what the Tao is describing is how the universe works. Okay. And how the universe works in particular to get that in a way that we can get into flow. That's what it's all about. So let's see what happens. Here we go. The first verse of the Tao Te Ching. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The Tao is both named and nameless. As nameless, it is the origin of all things. As named, it is the mother of 10,000 things. Ever desireless, one can see the mystery. Ever desiring, one sees only the manifestations. And the mystery itself is the doorway to all understanding. That's the first verse. What did you hear in that? You know, what did you hear in that? First of all, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The Tao is both named and nameless. As nameless, it is the origin of all things. As named, it is the mother of 10,000 things. Now, the mother of 10,000 things, that's a phrase that apparently refers to all the physical manifestations of the world. You know, all the things we see in the world, the you know, all physical objects, us, you know, everything physically in the world. I would say this includes our thoughts. This includes even our emotions. It's basically everything we can experience here in the 3D time-space world. Those are the quote-unquote 10,000 things. All the, you know, money, you know, relationships, you know, everything that's manifested in our lives, those are the 10,000 things. And what this first verse is saying is that, you know, we can call it, we can call it the Tao to help us understand that it births all these 10,000 things. But the original source 
that births these things, it can't be named. You know, why might that be? What is that really saying? It can't be named because the source, I mean, this is what it means to me. It can't be named because the source of all things is pre-exists any physical manifestation and a name is a physical manifestation. So some spiritual teachers have tried to describe this. You know, Muji calls it awareness. Eckhart Tolle calls it presence. You know, this kind of pure field that you can touch, that I have touched in my life through various means, that literally feels like a vastness and this unbelievable sense of perfection comes through you. And you're just in marvelous wonder at the world, we can touch this place because it's the source of everything, including us. It is what we are. It is what we truly are. We're this source of everything. We're this oneness made manifest into all these individual forms. So we can name the manifestations. We can name this world we're in. Names are part of this physical universe. As soon as we name something, right, it chops it up into a piece Right? We name something, it gives it a it gives it a structure, right? It gives it a it, it makes it different from something else. And that's why we can't give a name to the to the source of everything. Because as soon as we give it a name, it means there's there's something else that isn't that. And there's no such thing. If it's the source of everything, there's nothing that is not it. So it's just it. It's just the isness, as sometimes Muji says. You know, look, I mean, we try to give it names. In physics, there's this thing called the zero-point field. You know, it, you can go look it up. We've known about it in, for about 100 years. We've had this idea that everything is one giant energy field. Everything is energy and everything is connected as one giant field. All the physical manifestations that we experience, including our bodies, our emotions, touching something with our hand, smelling something, all of these things are the energy. Breathing the air, breathing the air and touching something and hearing something and the way your cell phone works, it's all the same primary mechanism underneath. It's energy moving. And the, the, based on the frequency, the vibration of that energy, we experience it differently. And certain things are vibrating at certain rates that make them appear solid. So we can like, you know, physically interact with them. And certain things are vibrating at certain rates that we can't even see them, you know, like cell phone signals, right? Like a radio signal. We have to use like a tuner to tune into them. We know they're there. We know they work. We know energy is everywhere flying through, you know, going through everything. We know that because we have cell phones. Okay. We don't question that. So then, but why do we, then why don't we believe that this, that everything is just, is made of that? Physics tells us it is, it is, that's the case. So, I mean, we're in the realm of science here. This ancient Taoist wisdom is bringing, is, you know, coming into contact with the modern science world. So science knows there's this zero point field from which everything emerges. It's like this quantum cloud of possibility of potential and everything emerges from that, the 10,000 things of the Tao, you know, emerges from that. So we can name it, we can see it from the from inside the physical manifestations. We're inside it right now. Everything physical is inside 
the awareness, the presence, the one thing, whatever we want to, however we want to try to describe it. You know, some spiritual teachers say that you can only describe it by saying what it's not, you know? (laughs) So Muji in particular, he has this really interesting meditation where you just, you just go through, you go through some questions about what you, you access this feeling inside yourself. And then you go through questions about what it isn't, what it's not. And you realize it's not one thing. It's not another thing. It's not another thing. And you kind of just peel the layers off until you realize it's just is, it's just there. It just exists. It's just existence. It's just something that's there (laughs) that's underneath everything. And it feels amazing to experience it. So this is the nameless part. And the named part is everything. The named parts are everything we can see, you know? So when we, when we name like dog, when we call that creature a dog, we're essentially naming the Tao because everything is part of the Tao. We're naming this, this source, this source of everything, which itself is sourceless. It's like impossible (laughs) to wrap our head around it. But all the 10,000 things, we give them all names, you know, and that, and that's actually naming the Tao. It's just naming pieces of the oneness. And in a sense, giving a name creates separation. That's why the oneness itself is nameless. And this is a mystery. This is a dichotomy. This is one of the beautiful things about the Tao, I think, that it does better than almost any other spiritual book I've read, is it holds paradoxes and dichotomies so well. So, you know, the Tao is both this nameless source of everything and all the individual pieces that we name. It's both of those things. So we find throughout the Tao Te Ching, lots of these paradoxes, seeming paradoxes, these seeming dichotomies, where one thing is the same as its opposite, where one thing and its opposite are somehow connected. And they're not actually separate things. They're actually the same thing. They're part of the same thing. And that's how the universe works. That's what's really going on. It's all one thing. And the more we can access that oneness in our life, the better we feel. So this is what the Tao Te Ching is helping me do, you know, in one particular way. So let's move on to the last part of the first verse. Ever desireless, one can see the mystery. Ever desiring, one sees only the manifestations. So this is, this is a tricky words. Okay. Because when we use a word like desire, we, we need to be careful because there are multiple levels of desire. All right. And you know, one of the levels of desire is this human level of desire that we're all used to where I desire some ice cream, you know, I desire a certain amount of money. You know, I desire that car, right? We use the word like that. And, uh, that level of desire, we know it isn't necessarily helpful. You know, because it gets, because we get attached to these things. We get expectations and judgments. We think we need things to be okay. You know, we think as soon as I get that job or that amount of money, I'm going to be a lovable person. You know, so we have those desires for those things. We don't actually love ourselves. We, we think we need to get things from outside to be okay. You know, and I've talked at length in other places about how maladaptive a strategy that is. We know that doesn't work. We know how many people have gotten those external things in their life and are still completely miserable 
I'm sure you've tried it in your own life. You know, you've, you've striven for something, got it, and then realized it wasn't as good as you thought, you know, and maybe even it made things worse, you know, and after a while you needed the next thing, you wanted something else. So it's not a sustainable route to any form of happiness, this, these attachments to our physical manifestation desires. But there's another level of desire that teachers like Teal Swan talk about beautifully. And that's this idea that desire is what basically set this whole universe in motion. You know, desire, the desire to experience 3D time space, you know, the desire to, to have this physical experience is, uh, is, is present at an energetic level. And that gave birth to all this stuff. You know, the, the desire for God to know itself, giving birth to all the different individual pieces of God that, you know, then that are all the different pieces of the Tao, you know, that then uh, interact with each other and feel separate from each other and, and do this game of playing separation in order to then experience what separation is like and, and maybe even discover, rediscover oneness along the way, which feels amazing for any one of us, you know? So desire is a tricky word. You know, I think the way I like to discern between distinguish this and think about desire is uh, versus wanting, you know, like there's this idea of we, we, we want things in our life. You know, I want that title. I want that relationship. I want that amount of money. And they look very specific to us. And if we don't get them, if it doesn't go our way, you know, if life doesn't look like how we think it should because of our wants, you know, and our ideas of what makes us okay, we get really upset. You know, we get sad and angry and scared and, um, you know, we have all those negative reactions and we suffer, you know, so those, those wants, that version of, of wanting can cause suffering. That's what the Buddhists talk about, you know, with this, this attachment, that craving, you know, the original word that Buddha used to describe it was apparently thirst. You know, it's like, uh, it's like the idea of like an unquenchable thirst, you know, and, and that's what most of our wants are because we want them from a place of pain. And so maybe they temporarily kind of soothe our pain, but that pain returns. We have to deal with the pain. And I'm sure we'll talk about that on this podcast, how to deal with your emotional pain. Cause it's one of my specialties. It's one of my favorite things to talk about emotional processing. So anyway, that's not what the Tao was talking about right now though. The Tao was talking about how if we release the wants for these specific images, these specific judgments and expectations for how our life should look, we start to see the mystery of life. And I've had this experience. When you, you let go of how you think things need to be, all of a sudden amazing things start, can happen. I'm in, a, I'm in a relationship right now with, you know, with, a, with a woman and it's been amazing. It's been, I've learned so much. It's been so opening in so many ways. And my mind was like, didn't think it made sense. My mind was kind of against it in the beginning. But then I just let my energy flow and my energy moved me into the relationship, you know, from a deeper place, from a heart place, you know, and at the time I called that a desire, right? Like my mind had a certain idea. It wanted a certain type of relationship and this relationship didn't seem to match it, right? So I resisted going this direction for a while. And then when I tapped into my heart desire, my body energy, the deeper part of myself, that was saying a yes to moving in this direction with this woman and stepping forward into that and seeing what would happen. And I'm so glad I did that. It's been unbelievable. So 
That's a desire versus, versus a want. There's brain wants, these mental wants, our minds patterns, which are so influenced by our wounds and the past. You know, the mind is trying to recreate things from the past all the time because it can't see the future and it doesn't like that uncertainty, you know, so it just hangs on to things, tries to control things because of our wounds. We don't feel safe. But there's a, that's our wants. That's the, that's the part where the Tao is saying, ever desiring, one only sees the manifestation. So if you're stuck in that wanting world, wanting all these physical things, wanting very specific ways your life should look, wanting very specific circumstances, wanting certain things in, in certain amounts of time, you know, and thinking you need those things to be okay. All these external things that we try to collect in our lives, you know, collecting people, collecting experiences, collecting stuff, all that we're, so that we're okay. You know, all that we, so that we believe in ourselves and somehow we think it's going to make us feel good. You know, if you're stuck there, ever wanting, you only see that physical world. You think that world is all that exists. And that's why it's so disempowering. So disempowering because you're only living with like half of yourself. You're not living with your expansive loving energy. That is the real you. You're so stuck and focused on the physical manifestations. So you, you see only that. Because that's what you think you want. That's where you put your wanting. But if you let that wanting go and open up to what life can show you and is showing you and open up to what's possible to happen, open up to the greater mystery and explore that. I mean, what is really going on here? You know, what is this thing that awareness people call, that teachers talk about or presence that people talk about? What is this oneness thing that people talk about? Is it, is it love? Like, what does it feel like? You know? what this is it's so mysterious that we're even alive it's so mysterious no one can explain exactly why we're alive you know even if you subscribe to theories like the big bang you know like what why why did it bang why was it there to go bang like science can't answer very rarely can answer that question why is all this happening you know they can you know right now so but we can explore that still philosophers, religious people, mystics, sages, you know, the greatest teachers of all time have all explored this mystery in one way or the other. And if we stay loose with our wanting, if we stay, if we let go of what we're craving and actually see what we have and see how we feel in this moment and see what the universe is showing us in this moment and see, try to look for the, the mysteries in life and those synchronicities that happen and the, and the ways that life is showing up to support us somehow mysteriously. And, and the lessons, you know, we, we go through a really struggling time, but, but we realize then afterward, like, Oh my gosh, that helped me so much. There were such lessons there, you know, me losing my job at the time I was, you know, just as an example, you know, someone loses their job and they're just terrified at the time. They think it's all over. They think their career is ruined. They think no one will hire them. And then six months later, they're in a job that is so, so much closer to their dreams. And they're like, I, I'm so glad I got fired. Right. So isn't that mysterious? You know, how our interpretations work compared to how reality works or seeming reality works. Something is going on where there is this field of oneness creating everything else. And we're all a part of it. What is that? Can we feel that? What happens when we feel that? So ever desireless, one can see the mystery. To me, that means completely, that means letting go as much as we can of what we, we, we think we need, we think we want in this world. We think we need to get, to collect things, people, you know? Like, look, as humans, 
as humans, we have certain needs, you know, we're all in this together, you know, Teal Swan talks beautifully about needs. You know, she talks to them, she talks about them like they're, you know, they're just simply requirements that we have in physical experience. You know, we have needs like air and water, you know, air is one we pretty much can all agree on. Even people who claim not to eat or drink for long periods of time, uh, they still breathe. So, you know, air is an example of a physical need that we all have. It's a requirement for navigating physical reality. And we can extend that. You know, most of us have needs for food and water and needs for relationships. Needs for, need for social contact, need for human touch, you know, from someone else. And those of us who do this kind of work a lot know that, you know, who can feel energy and explore it quite a bit, know that, you know, touch from someone else feels very different from touching yourself. So there, you know, there are some things we can only get in relation with others. And you could say that those are, those are kind of neat human, human needs. And those are okay to have, those are okay to have, but even they become a problem when we have the unquenchable thirst, when we believe that need can never be fulfilled because the universe is against us or because we're so stuck on the physical world. We don't think there's some higher intelligence at work. We don't think there's a oneness involved, you know, because we're all one. Your, your needs, your actual needs are a perfect match for this universe to provide them for you. There are people that want to fulfill your needs perfectly in the world because that meets their needs. We're like these perfect puzzle pieces that fit with the oneness. So if you can, you know, so it's okay to have your needs. The problem is when they become this unquenchable wanting. You know, want, the original, I, the original meaning of the word want is that something's missing. So if you're so focused on what's missing, that's what we're talking about here. Being so focused on what's missing, you see only the manifestations. You see only the lack and you see only the physical world. And the physical world seems very dangerous to you and very unsatisfying. But we let go of that want. We realize we do have some things we need. We realize we have desires in our heart. But can we just open to see how those show up for us? Can we open to the mystery of how those things could be fulfilled in many, many different ways that our brain can't even think of or our brain even fights like me in this relationship? Right? So that's what this first, for me, this first verse of the Tao is asking us to do. It's asking us to consider that everything we see is a physical, is an individuated physical manifestation of the one thing, this nameless source of everything. And this source of everything is this source is creating everything. So everything it creates is, is somehow per, a perfect match for everything else. It knows everything it's creating. It's one big thing. And we're a part of it. We're playing in it. And everything we experience in the physical world is, is like inside it. It's happening inside it. And we can start to touch this mystery when we let go of our craving and wanting of certain physical things to be certain ways of our mind's ideas of what we need to be okay, what we need to be loved, what we need to not be rejected, what we need to be good, what we need so that we're a valuable person in the world and we're good enough. Letting go of those things, all those wants, and actually opening up to our real needs and desires that are in our heart and realizing that the oneness is, is actually set up to fulfill them. It, 
because it's all one, it only, you know, it creates things that are perfectly fit inside the one. It can't create something that doesn't fit because it's all one. <laughs> it's all one thing. All the pieces have to fit. It can't create something separate from itself. That's why it's like this nameless thing that contains everything. So if we can, if we can start to loosen our grip on the physical world and start to feel the energetic world, start to play with things like awareness and presence, start to feel what's going on in our body, slowing down, slowing down. Most of us are moving much too fast in our lives to feel these kind of things. Slowing down, seeing what is looking, just getting curious, what is really happening here? If I, if I decide, I, if I decide to want less specific things, what does show up in my life? Are they things that feel really good? They might be, they might be, you know, your mind thinks you have to strive so much to get what, to get what makes you feel good. Maybe that's not true. Have you ever tried not striving? Just being open to the mystery of life, bringing things to you. This is what the first verse is asking us to look at. Ever desire less, one can see the mystery. Ever desiring or wanting, one sees only the manifestations. And the mystery is itself the doorway to all understanding. So if you go look for this mystery, if you loosen your grip on the physical world and go look for this mystery, you're going to open up all these pathways to understanding the world differently understanding yourself differently, understanding truth differently in a way that can totally help you navigate this world, totally empower you to help you navigate this world. And you can see that you get there by letting go of the wants, not by getting more things, not by getting that understanding, by letting go of the wants, the understanding comes because the Tao is there underneath our real selves are here underneath all the crap we've piled on top of them based on getting so focused on the physical manifestations. So can we take off those layers? Can we let go of so much of our craving, our wanting, our unquenchable thirst and realize there's something else going on deeper that might feel even better if we're just willing to explore it? It might give us an understanding. An understanding might rise within us and move through us if we're willing to let go a little bit. Stop trying so hard and trying to control everything and thinking things need to be exactly the way our mind's image has them based on our hurts, based on our past, based on our expectations and judgments. Can we let those go and see what's actually here? What's here might be perfect for us. Just like this relationship was perfect for me, even though I didn't even see it in the beginning. Yeah. That's what the first verse means to me. But what does it mean to you? Tell me. I'm interested. I'm interested to see what you think. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you, uh, how you interpret this. And if you have a different translation that you'd like better, you know, you can, um, you can s- send me an email um, at, you know, at, uh, love at davidpapa.live. So, you know, you can go, you can follow this uh, podcast and get updates when I uh, release new verses of the, of the Tao and uh, other things, talk to other people about surrender in their life. And you can find all that at davidpapa.live, david, P-A-P-A dot live. And that's, um, and you can email me there at love at davidpapa.live. So send me your stuff. Also, 
if you want, um, this podcast is, is hosted on anchor.fm and, um, pretty sure you can actually go on anchor and listen to it on your phone and you can leave me a recorded voice message if you want to read a different translation of the, of the Tao, and then i might be able to put that in a future show or you know you can contact me and you can maybe come on the show and read your different verse and we can talk about that and how the difference translation you know might invoke a different feeling so this is exciting for me i hope it's exciting for you uh, let me know what you think and thank you so much for listening and making me part of your day um, I'm really excited to, to see where this No Effort Human podcast goes because it's something I have been looking for, wondering about for a long time. Is there a way to get into more flow? How does surrender help us so much in our life? I know somehow, I know it does. Somehow deep down, I know it does. I've seen people who have been surrendered and done a crazy, amazing things. I know it does, but what does it mean for me? How do I live with, like that practically? That's what this podcast is about. So if that's your jam. Jam with me. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. This has been David Papa.